All right. All right. Uh, apologies, we had a, a little technical thing with the peace picks. So uh, if you send in a peace pick, sorry, we didn't uh, get to show it this week, but we will show it next week. Uh, we uh, promise. Um, it's so uh, just beautiful to be uh, a church in these kind of new ways of being church in this moment. And uh, so as I preach, I just wanted to say again uh, this morning, if you, if you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, if you're at home, um, you can make comment, you can join in, uh, you can use the chat on the YouTube channel. We'd love you to do that. Um, I have it open in front of me. My phone occasionally goes to sleep, and then I have to kind of stare at it, you know, like the face ID thing. So if I look really weird, like I'm just like staring into my phone, uh, I promise it's just because I'm trying to wake my phone up so I can see the chat again. Um, but please do that. And again, if you're here this morning and you feel like the Lord has got something to say and you, you want to share that, then after the sermon, I'll be standing off to one side, and I'd, I'd love to hear that because we are a community that really believes God speaks. And that's what I want to speak to us um, about this morning. So uh, we're, we're kind of three weeks into thinking about spiritual gifts, these supernatural superpowers that God gives to each of us, every single one of us, so that we can join in with his kingdom. We can join in with his plans and purposes on the earth to build up these things called local churches, which are the hope for the world, so that we can see neighborhoods and communities and cities all transformed with the love of Jesus. That's what we're all about. And so I wanted to, as I go into kind of this third week on spiritual gifts, I wanted to just kind of set the scene a little bit by making two points. Um, one is a just point of clarification, and I apologize if I said this wrong last week, but uh, I wanted to be super clear as I start in that this, there's no hierarchy um, in the spiritual gifts. There's no hierarchy. So I think last week I talked about um, spiritual gifts that are like supernatural, and then I talked about spiritual gifts that are practical. Um, I wasn't trying to say one is better than the other. In fact, all spiritual gifts are supernatural. It's just that some have a very practical outworking, and some have a more kind of spiritual outworking. But all gifts are equal. The second thing I wanted to say is, is just to clarify like the difference between obedience and spiritual gifts, and then at the far end, kind of the uh, being in the office of doing something. I'm going to move around a lot this morning, so if I walk off the side of the camera shot, apologies to people at home. But, but what, it, what I mean is this, is if you think about, here's a little slide with last week's, the gifts that we came up with last week. There you go. Remember those ones? Some that you wanted, some that you really hope never are going to come your way. Um, but let's, let's just look at a few of those. Um, so, for example, let's look at the gift of intercession, which is on there. So, if I ask you the question, who in the kingdom of God is called to pray, you would, of course, say... Everyone, right? Everybody is called to pray. There is a commandment that we should pray. In fact, almost all of these spiritual gifts that are on the slide come with a commandment that we should be involved in them, whether we're spiritually gifted or not, right? We should all pray. Some of us, though, will have a particular spiritual gift to intercede, which means that we have this kind of particular superpower that comes our way, which we can use to pray into particular situations, particular ways, and we'll see God's kingdom come in very supernatural ways when we pray. And a very, very few of us might get called to be like intercessors, to take up the role of intercessor within the life of a community. Do you see those three different stages, right? Okay. Now, let's just do another one just to clarify. Okay. So, who in the kingdom of God is called to care for one another, to encourage each other in faith, to look after each other? 
like everyone, right? Okay, there's a commandment. Some of us, though, will have particular supernatural pastoral gifts, like I will have a particular gift given to us to pastor and care and disciple others, and really few of us, you'll be thankful to know, are called to be pastors, to take up the role of pastor. So there's kind of these three different stages. We all get to play, there are spiritual gifts in this area, and then some of us will have a particular call to take up you know, the calling or the office of a particular thing. And I want to set that out this morning because that's how we're going to launch into this talk today about some of the more out there spiritual gifts. Gifts like prophecy, gifts like the gift of tongues, um, words of knowledge, all of those kind of gifts. And I want you just to keep in mind, we all get to play, some of us will have particular spiritual gifts in this area, and some of us may even be called to operate in the kind of ministry of this in some sort of official kind of way. Okay, so let's get our reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, read by literally the most beautiful ladies in the world. Today's reading is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all, circumstances for this is God's will for your Christ in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you in faith, and he will do it. Superb. I think a round of applause. You have to be honest when you're biased, don't you? But I, I am biased. I am somewhat biased to that, but, but thank you for doing that. So, Here's what I want to ask you this morning. What is your experience of the Holy Spirit? What has been your experience of the Holy Spirit? Uh, I guess some of us come to church and we're just like, come on, bring it on, I'm all in. Maybe others of us just like slightly more cautious than that. Maybe others of us too are like, I'm not sure I have any understanding of the Holy Spirit. I believe that there's the Bible and the Spirit kind of stopped doing some of the more crazy things out there a long time ago. Um, certainly, you know, when I first encountered the ministry of the Holy Spirit as a kind of, you know, young teenager, I was freaked out. Like, I just saw people doing very crazy and weird things. I saw people kind of falling over on the floor and people crying and people shouting and making funny noises. And I like, was like, I'm out of this. Um, other times, I've seen kind of ministry of the Holy Spirit, which has looked like people on stages shouting things at people or hyping up things of people. And I've gone, I just don't know if that really feels like something that God would do. Um, I've been freaked out and wanted to run a mile when I've experienced some of those things. But on the other hand, I've also seen beautiful things of the Holy Spirit. I have seen ministry which has just transformed people's lives of healings and words from God. I've seen, you know, just the breakthrough in so many different areas where people have used spiritual gifts to just build God's kingdom in local situations. And actually, I've become convinced that if there is a God and he is real and he is out there and around us and in us, if there is a God and he has some things that he wants to say, then I want to hear them. 
In fact, if God has as much as one word that he wants to say into my life or into the life of someone around me, then I really, really want to hear it. Because I realize that if God has one word to say, that actually that one word that he has to say will be more impactful, more important, more life-changing than a year of me running around madly stressed out, anxious, trying to do things on my own, right? Do you believe that? Okay, hopefully you will by the end, if you don't yet. Okay, that's, that's kind of where we're going um, this morning. So today I want to think with you, how do we hear God's voice? What does that sound like? What are some of the tools that we can use to connect with God's voice? Now, if you're an expert in this already, if you're like the prophetic voice in the community already, feel free to just relax, to sit back, and to, you know, just to listen to what God might want to be saying to you this morning from the Holy Spirit. But I've got to say this, I've been in this world for 20 more than that years now, and I am still a beginner. I am totally still at, like, like page number one, and every day I want to know what God has to say more. I want to become more in tune with his Holy Spirit, and my prayer is today, this morning, that we would find out what it means to hear the Holy Spirit, that maybe we would find out some, some of those people, so some of us who have got particular gifts in the Holy Spirit as well, and just ask the Holy Spirit to release some things in us. So I hope you're up for that this morning. So how do, we, how do we hear God's voice? Well, number one, sorry to start in the place of kind of like basicness, we actually have to desire and want to hear the voice of God. If you, if you are going to hear God's voice, you've got to start with some sort of desire. When John, uh, Jesus is talking in John 14, 26, he talks of the Holy Spirit who is going to be sent. He says, the Holy Spirit who the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That the role that the Holy Spirit has is to reveal Jesus to us and to teach us, to speak to us. That he has wonderful things for us to know. And actually, when Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say the Holy Spirit is going to come to a few of you or a spirit will come you know, in, in a particular place. He actually says the Spirit is going to come to the church. He's going to come to the people of God. So the Spirit is, on access, is accessible to all of us. And then so when Paul speaks, um, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, when you're talking about spiritual gifts, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, comma, especially prophecy. Especially desire the gift of prophecy. Why? Because the one who prophesies edifies the church. That the ministry of the church, the ministry of the Spirit is particularly beautiful and useful as we build the church. And then in today's reading, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore do not quench the spirit. Like do not turn off the tap or do not like back away from the Holy Spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, he says. In a sense, if we want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we actually have to really push into and pursue the gifts of the Spirit. If we don't want to hear God's voice, then I have this sneaking suspicious suspicion that for most of us, guess what? We won't hear God's voice. And I'll explain why I think that's the case in a moment. If you have no interest in hearing from God, the chances are you will not hear from God. But if you do want to hear from God, then this morning I want to offer you some ways that you can do that. So, number one, we've got to really pursue it and want it. Number two, we actually have to learn to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've done this before, and um, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I feel like you know, we live as human beings in three spaces. 
The first space we live is we live in a physical space, right? So right now, all around us, it's beautiful, it's warm, we're outdoors or we're at home. We live in a physical space. Often, if we're in LA, it's a very noisy physical space. Right now, COVID, actually quite a quiet physical space out there, isn't it? The second space that we increasingly live in, especially this last year, is we live in a digital, right? We live in a virtual space. We live in front of a screen. And sometimes we move between the physical, get something from the refrigerator, virtual, go back to the Zoom call. You know, that's the kind of movement, isn't it? We are in the moment. But there's a third space, which is the kind of spiritual space, the space of God's voice, the spiritual dimension of everything that's going on all around us. And I don't, this is probably could be interpreted wrong, but I don't mean to say this wrongly, but, but God doesn't live primarily actually in the middle of the physical noise. He doesn't live in the Zoom call. Actually, he lives in, in the spiritual space. And if we want to hear God's voice, if we want to know what he's got to say of us, actually we have to be able to tune out of some of the noise in the physical, some of the noise in the digital, and we have to be able to tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know if anybody else had one of these when they were a kid, but um, I, I had a ghetto blaster, a proper ghetto blaster. Anyone else have a ghetto blaster? The fact that they were even called, that maybe, were they called something else here? They were called ghetto blasters here? It was a thing? The fact that someone would call something a ghetto blaster is like, what kind of marketing thing is that, right? I mean, just astonishing. Two speakers, a cassette tape in the middle, uh, some knobs on the top, like a, the radio dial that went across, and then on the end was this huge dial that you tuned to tune the radio, right? And it was so exciting as a 10-year-old kid because I had like FM radio where you could tune into all the local like music stations, and then you had like AM radio, whereas where we lived in the south of England, you could listen to radio in France, you could listen to like pirate radio stations, it was very exciting. But the most exciting thing of all the exciting things was that on FM, if you turned the dial all the way to the bottom, past 88, this radio was a bit quirky because you could carry on going. And if you held the dial past 88 to the bottom, you could actually tune out completely to all of the commercial radio and you could tune into the local truck company. It was so exciting. Man, as a 10-year-old kid, it was like spying on the local truck company. I used to sit with the covers over me in my bed, and I'd like listen, holding onto the radio station, just listening out for what, like, what exciting spy news I would hear from the local truck company. Sadly, it was really boring, and they never had anything exciting to say whatsoever. But it was a way of tuning into something else. And I think the same is true when we think about the Holy Spirit. If we are going to tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit, we actually have to find ways of tuning out tuning down, stepping away from some of the noise. Because here's the thing, and please hear this correctly this morning, God's voice is actually quite quiet. I don't know how many of you know that. God's voice is quite quiet often. In uh, 1 Kings 19, the great prophet Elijah, um, he hears from God, and God says this to him. He says, go outside and stand in the, on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord, for, my, for I'm about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard the gentle whisper, he put on his cloak after his face, uh, over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave before the Lord. You know, like, 
the voice of the Lord is, can be very still and small, and we have to be able to tune into it. You know, when I first encountered the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, um, I remember we used to go to these massive great Christian conferences, like 10, 15,000 young people, and I'd walk into them, and I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, hit me. I'm ready. I'm ready for the big, life-changing word. In fact, what I really wanted to happen was I really wanted the person on the stage, you know, in the distance. I really wanted them to go, I think there's someone here called Ben. And they are going to be the next, you know, like amazing pastor or worship leader. They're going to transform the world. Let's get them up on the stage and let's pray for them. You know, that's what I really want. Anyone else ever want that? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Like five years of that, never once did that ever happen. It did happen later in life, bizarrely, but I'll tell you about that another day. But, but that didn't happen. And so in the evenings, I'd go home and I was really angry because I'd, I'd go out into the fields around where we were camping and I'd be like, God, I came to meet with you and I wanted to hear you and I stood there in that noisy environment and not once did the booming voice ever come off the stage. Not once did you ever hit me with a lightning bolt. Not once did like, I ever kind of hear this dun 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 like, what's going on? And so I'd get angry, and I'd walk, and I'd talk, and I'd just rant at God for a while. And eventually, I'd run out of things to say, and I'd be quiet. And often as I was quiet, in the stillness, in the darkness, by that point in the evening, God would whisper that I'd just hear just what would feel like a, just a word, or just see a picture in my mind's eye, or a particular Bible verse would come to mind. And as I'd sit with it quietly, I would realize, oh my goodness, this is God's voice. This is God's word to me. And so often those words, which I remember a lot of those words because they have been so life-transforming, came. So if we want to hear the voice of God, we have to find those still moments to sit before him. Now the good news is, as we said a minute ago, it's Lent. In the church's calendar right now, we're in Lent. Lent is the time when actually we choose to step back out of some of the kind of noise by maybe giving up a substance or by doing something slightly different with our calendar. We step out and we find stillness and we have find space. And when we find the stillness and find space so often, that's where we encounter the Holy Spirit and God's voice to us. So, number one, you've got to want it. Number two, we've got to learn to tune in by tuning out. And number three, you actually have to learn to interpret the things that you hear. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but when, when adults have children, they lose the ability to speak. Uh, when, when we uh, had our children, I, I, was, I was actually a fairly intelligent adult. When we had our first, first child, suddenly my ability to speak turned into... Who's a pretty boy then? How you doing? And, and everybody turns to mush. The people who turn to mush more than anyone are grandparents. Uh, if there's any grandparents here, like completely lose the ability to communicate intelligently whatsoever. Now, I had this idea when William was born that I was going to share with him when he was tiny all my greatest thoughts and philosophies about life. Now, I knew that he wouldn't be able to speak to me, but I assumed that he would be able to understand you know, the great thoughts that I have as his father. Um, but it didn't take very long for me to realize that, no, actually, as tiny babies, not only can they not see very much, but they really do not understand very much either. Now, that when they're tiny, it's just overwhelming and it's just noise to them. But over time, like, babies start to recognize things, don't they? Like, first up, they recognize, oh, that's the voice of mummy. That's a good voice. Like, that's the best voice. That's the voice of daddy not quite as good as the voice of mummy. Like, definitely second place. That's the voice of everybody else. 
scream, like cry. That's, we had a bit of that. Um, but over time as well, though, then the kids start to realize, oh, yeah, that voice of mummy, that is a voice of affirmation, or that's a voice of encouragement, or that's a comforting voice, or that's a cross voice, or you know, that's a voice of correction or direction. And then, of course, over time, the kids start to pick up on oh, no, that word, that phrase, that means that, that means that, that means that. And I think the same is very true when we start, uh, we start to learn to listen to God's voice. We actually have to be able to understand by experience the things that we hear. Because we have to ultimately be able to deal with the fact that we won't always get it right. Um, Paul says in verse 21 today, when he's talking about prophecy, Test them all. Test all prophecies. Hold on to what is good and reject what is bad. My experience says that when we listen to God's voice, there will be times, and this is the million-dollar question, how we know if it's God or if it's not, when we get it right, and there will be times when we get it wrong. There will be times when God speaks, and it's like, oh my goodness, that was definitely the Lord, and there will be times when we probably just ate a little bit too much cheese, or like we, we just you know, had a strange dream or something. Uh, one of my friends um, she emailed me this last week because um, our wonderful sister church in Malibu, Vintage Malibu, are appointing an associate pastor. Uh, and no, I didn't apply. Don't worry. It's okay. Um, but they, they, um, she emailed me. She said, I'm thinking of applying for this job in Vintage Malibu. I think the Lord is speaking to me. I was like, oh, very interesting. She said, because as I was praying about this job in Vintage Malibu, I just kept hearing the word surf. To which I replied, actually, no, I didn't reply. I should have replied. That's not a prophetic word. <laughs> it's like, that is what you want to do for the next three years of your life when you work for that church. I don't think that, might, that may or may not actually be the Holy Spirit speaking. So if we want to hear from God, we have to be able to pull apart, work with the fact that we have our noise, our desires, all the things that go on in our mind, as well as we have all the things that God is actually speaking to in reality. So how do we do that? Well, Paul says we test when we feel like we have heard God say something, we are to test it. First way we can test something is we test it with the Bible, right? If God, you feel like this morning, you know, God is asking you to stand up at the end and come and see me and say, Ben, you need to go and murder your next door neighbors. Um, just stay where you are. <laughs> just stay where you are because we know that God is the same in Genesis, right? He's the same in Exodus. He's the same in the voice through Jesus as he spoke on the earth. He's the same in Revelation. That's God and that's God's voice and God doesn't change, which means if God says, do not murder, God is not going to say to you, go out and murder your next door neighbor. That isn't going to happen because God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That's why if you want to be a spiritual person, if you want to operate in the prophetic gifts, you actually also have to be very, very grounded and rooted in the word of God. You've got to know it. You've got to not just know how to take your favorite Bible verse and quote it at someone. You've actually got to know the systematic themes of scripture, the kind of God that we serve. So you've got to test it by knowing who God is in scripture. Um, but you can also test it you know, as well by having conversations with God. Like it's perfectly okay to talk back to God. I know you know that. But you know, I was I was in the gym because um, our gym's open outside um, and it's amazing and I can go back and work out and you clearly can't tell that yet. Um, I'm hoping you might one day know that. Um, but it's beautiful. It's outdoors and face masks and there were like five people there and it's all very nice. But um, 
uh, I was in the gym yesterday morning and, and just really like working, working away. And actually, for some reason, I find it easier to, when I'm actually working out, my body is doing one thing, my brain actually becomes able to think about God and other things. And so with my face mask on and my headphones in, I was just you know, chatting away to God. And as I was chatting away to God, I just saw this picture of um, the world. And, and it was red and it was inflamed and it looked sore. And I was just like, God, that's so, that's so sad. And I just felt God say, Ben, I, I've got it. I've got it. And before I could even think, before I could even like apologize, I had to apologize to God later. I was like, really? You got it? And I just felt God say, yeah, my grace covers this. My grace is enough for this. My grace is enough to bring healing to this. And I was able to just have this kind of like two-way you know, conversation with God. You know, sometimes when we hear things, it's okay to go back to God and say, really, God? Was that you? Did I get that wrong? What do you mean? I don't understand how that works. But Paul says we're called to test and even reject things that are not of God's character. And the reason is, is because right now we don't see fully in the spiritual. This beautiful old translation of 1 Corinthians 13 says, we now see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know more even as I'm known. And what Paul means is that, you know, like now when we, we see the work of the Spirit, when we hear the voice of God, actually often it is a little bit like, you know, if you've ever tried to look through one of those really dirty old stained glass windows, or you've ever tried to look through an empty wine bottle, like you can see things, right? There are things that you can see going on on the other side, but they feel a little bit kind of hazy. It's a bit like they're slightly out of focus. It's quite difficult to take a whole picture of what's going on. And the same is exactly the same when we think about voice of God, that because we are now between the spiritual and the physical, no, on the wrong way around, spiritual and the physical, that often it does feel like we don't quite get the full picture. We just get a glimpse. But that's okay. I mean, some of us will be quite into the spiritual. If, you know, if you're called to be a prophet in the church, the chances are you will see things in a very spiritual way. Um, I had a I still have got a friend. He's now leads a, a big international student movement. Um, but he once said to me, said, oh, Ben, I was at this Christian meeting and I got back in my car to drive the two hours back up the freeway home and God started speaking to me. And the next thing I remember, I was sitting on my driveway at home. He said he completely freaked out because he had absolutely no idea how he got there. But like, he'd just been in this dream the whole time. Now, you might be like that. I am not like that. Like, I am much more grounded in the now. I am much more grounded in the here. And I have to train myself all the time to ask the question, God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? God, is that you? But my experience is is that as we take the journey, as we ask that question, that more and more we will start to hear, we'll start to notice our spiritual radar will be up to such a way where we'll be able to see what God is beginning to do around us all the time. And then the the fourth thing and the final thing is that when we hear, when we believe we have heard something from God, a key part of this is we actually need to act on the things that we hear. Like I said with all the other spiritual gifts last week, if you want to know if you've got the gift of this and you know that and the other, you actually have to try some things out And I realized that obedience is a key part of hearing God's voice. It actually means we have to be a bit brave and be prepared to take a risk when God speaks. Um, 
when I was at, at university, just mm, 20 years ago or something like that now, and we, I remember having this particular week when God was on the move. Um, it felt like heaven was a bit more open than normal above us. Like suddenly we just started to see things in spiritual forces going on and good stuff and bad stuff. It was, it was kind of powerful. And I remember one night after a particular Christian meeting on the campus, uh, one of my friends said, hey, could you take me back to my place, Ben? And, and he didn't live on the campus. He lived like five miles away on the other side of the, the freeway, motorway. Um, and so I was like, yeah, it's 10, 10 o'clock at night. Sure, I'll, I'll take you in my car. So I, I took him home. And I was just driving back to the campus. And um, to get back to the campus, I had to cross over the, the motorway. Uh, and to do that, you had to go round this big roundabout. You know roundabouts, the kind of things that Californians have a heart attack over when they see one. Those things, right? And I wanted to go over the second exit, but the first exit was M1 Motorway North. It's the road that connects London to Scotland, basically. And if it had been any other week, if it had been any other day, I would have gone, fine, I'm just going to carry on. But I just heard this this whisper, just this feeling as I saw the sign for M1 North, I just felt God say, go. And it was a split second. And any other time I'd have just ignored it and driven on. But because of all the things that happened, I was like, okay, I'm going. And so at 10.30 at night, I got on the M1 motorway going north towards Scotland. Now, the junctions on the M1 motorway are not like the junctions on the 210 here, which are half a mile apart. They're like five miles apart. And so I just started to rack up the junctions on the motorway. I was like, I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea what's going on. So I drove like half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour later. Eventually, I just felt this kind of peace in my spirit. I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to get off the motorway now. So I got off the motorway, Junction 26 service station. Um, if you don't know what an English service station is like, it's like every other service station in the world. <laughs> Starbucks, McDonald's, Burger King, same deal. And at like 11 o'clock at night, I found myself like walking around the service station. I was like, God, are you asking me to speak to someone? So I, and I thought, I better just find some people. So I found myself following a truck driver through the service station. I thought, mm, this is probably not a very safe way to spend my evening following truck drivers around. So I thought, no, that can't be right. So eventually, like after like 40 minutes, I thought, okay, I'm going to get back in the car because I don't know what to do. So I got back in the car and I found out my best friend and I said, hey, look, Sam, I, I don't know why I'm here. I am at junction 26 of the M1 motorway. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing here. Like, what do you think? And he said, wow, I don't know either, but it's funny, but I felt like, you know, I was, me and my girlfriend, we're actually out in another part of town because we feel like God called us to start reading the book of Leviticus. I was like, man, God really must be speaking if you're going to read the book of Leviticus. Like, nobody reads the book of Leviticus for fun. So he said, well, why don't you come back? Why don't you come back and we'll, we'll, we'll pray together? I was like, I don't want to come back. I just drove like 50 miles up here. I'm not coming all the way back. We said, no, no, I think we need to pray together. So like midnight, drove back, met him in this car park, and I parked the car. And as soon as I parked the car, he was like banging on the window. Ben, Ben, you won't believe what happens. Like you've got to believe. Like I, you, said, you said 26, and we said Leviticus. And this is what Leviticus 26 says. And I won't read it all out to you now, but it's basically like, if you follow my decrees, if you obey my commands, I will send rain in season. The ground will yield its crops, their trees, their fruit, the threshing floor will carry, will, will continue. And it kind of goes on, five of you will chase a hundred, um, five, uh, uh, um, five and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. It kind of goes on. Now, there's a whole story here. But basically, the short answer is that particular prophetic word took me and that 
little group of people to Argentina. It took us on a mission trip. That was our word, which caused us to go, and we then went to work with in an orphanage, and we went to go and see uh, people saved in the north of Argentina near Cordoba City, um, and it was amazing. Now, I look back on it, and I'm like, come on, God. Like, there are easier ways to get the number 26 and Leviticus 26 into the hands of three young people than driving up the M1 and coming back down and meeting in a car park in the middle of the night. That's just silly. But what I realized is over the years is that actually what God so often wants from us is he just wants our obedience. He wants to know, would you? Will you trust me? Would you go? And that lesson has taught me so much about being just prepared to be awkward, prepared to be bold, to be prepared to be brave when God is seeking. Because when God does speak, often we do feel a bit silly, right? You know, when Mike Pellavacci, he's a very you know, famous guy and he you know, does conferences all over the world, he's been prophesying and speaking God's word and acting on it for like 40 years probably. And he says, there has never once been a moment when God has spoken that he didn't feel like a complete idiot sharing it with someone else. There's never been one time when he stood on a stage and said, I think the Lord is saying to you, it's like this, that he didn't feel like he was a fraud and he'd making it up and that he was going to get shown out to be a false prophet. When we step out in the Holy Spirit, so often it can feel awkward. It can feel difficult. And that's why, you know, here at Vintage, when we do uh, spend time listening to God and sharing it while another, we're very careful in our language, when we do our prayer ministry training, we say, you know, I think that the Lord is saying this. I could be wrong. I'm seeing through a glass darkly right now. But I think the Lord might want to say this to you. And you'd be amazed. I am always amazed. So often when we share those little thoughts that God can just turn a situation around can unlock something in the most profound way. I was um, you know, speaking to someone about four weeks ago after our service, and we were talking about worship. And as we were worshiping, I just felt the Lord say, for some people right now, it's like a picture. I just had this picture in my mind of like a beautiful, delicate flower just beginning to, to open. And so when I got up at the end of the service, I just said, I, I might be wrong, but I just think you know, that there's, for some of us, this is a moment where we're worshiping and actually God is it's opening us up opening our hearts up in a new way to worship him. And someone came over after service and said, actually, that's exactly what I read in my Bible reading this morning. That's exactly what I feel like God is saying to me right now. That, that is a word for me today. And it's amazing how, when God does that. It's a privilege. And you know, here at Vintage, my, my longing is that we would be a church that operates in this spiritual space, that we would be a church that's prepared to give it a go, to try things. And we'll get it wrong. You know, we will say things that are blatantly wrong at times but that we'll do it in such a way that we get to grow, that we get to learn to hear God's voice, that we get to tune into God's voice, that we get to interpret God's voice. And as we do it, we'll get more and more confident in stepping out. And I believe particularly that God would want to anoint a few of us in particular ways. I haven't touched on you know, the gift of tongues and interpreting of tongues or the gift of wisdom and the ability to, to speak into a particular situation like Solomon and bring a wisdom, a truth into a situation or a gift of encouragement or a particular gift of prophecy for the future or, um, or visions or dreams or so many other ones. But, but it starts right here with this sense of listening, of stopping waiting and acting on the things that we hear God saying.